0: The Will Cain Show podcast is presented by the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited double miles on every purchase every day. What's in your wallet?
1: I don't smoke, but I feel like I need a cigarette after that last hour with Steven Jackson. So that was incredible. If you're just joining us now, I would, you can hate my guts. All right. But go back, subscribe, download the Rasilo Show podcast. The hour that we just did with Steven Jackson in studio was incredible. And I mean, look. In the moment, sure, all this stuff. But a lot of you out there are going, "That's the best hour ever, or the best interview you've ever done." We did it all. We did kind of some current day hoops. Then he started telling stories from the Spurs. Then we started talking about growing up in Port Arthur, being shot at, and his friends ended up being the ones that shot at him. And then in the last segment, we start doing more stories. Then we kind of get into like, "He's the dude." That's why Stephen Jackson is so good because you can go, you know what? I want to at like, what the hell is wrong with you guys in the NBA? We. Like, why do you get married when you're younger? I can understand later on, wanting a family, settling down and getting out of it. Those hangovers start kicking in late 20s. The next thing you know, you can't guard anybody. But in the beginning, I'm just always like, man, are you sure? Not to say that everybody, you know what I'm saying, though. And then Steven Jackson's like, yeah, I was stupid. I was stupid. Like, but that was that was incredible. So, go check that out. Now I'm going to try to do the rest of the show solo. And I'm not sure even I want to do it. I don't think I want him to leave. We do have Andy Staples, though, college football stuff, all that. We'll just have fun with him. He's great. And then Field Yates, Sashi Brown, out as general manager of the Cleveland Browns, back to the drawing board. Even though they have all these draft picks, they were like, thanks for getting the picks, Sashi Brown, but we don't want you making them. So we'll do that with Field as well. The Russillo Show on ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Now you can test drive Snapshot, even if you have insurance in another company. See how much you could save before you switch. What we led the show with or at least the second segment in, some of the shows have been leading this today, is this Mike Mitchell sound. Now Mitchell plays for the Steelers, defensive back. Steelers obviously a team that we're thinking about uh, quite a bit after that Monday night battle with Cincinnati. Great win to come back from, but it wasn't really the story of them coming back. It was them losing Ryan Shazier, and we're still trying to figure out what's happening there with the linebacker, think about him. Um, But Mitchell, and if we could play this whole thing, so I have the whole cut up here, right? Okay. Because we were doing kind of a start-stop thing. Everyone likes what Mike Mitchell's saying, and there's so much of it that I agree with. I am sympathetic, and I actually, I'll actually i tell you right now, we all take sides with this stuff, and I'm going to keep saying that with almost every single topic because when you're listening to the people and their opinions, you go, oh, wait a minute, are you taking a side here or you have an open mind? I actually don't have an open mind when it comes to safeties. I sympathize with the safety in today's NFL. We're asking them to do something that's impossible. Don't ever hit guys in the head When the target changes, when I launch myself and you dive for a ball or you go down because you're trying to avoid contact, people are going to hit each other. And the NFL probably realizes it's kind of unfair what we're asking the safeties to do but we're still going to keep flagging these people. We're going to still keep finding them so we look like we're a safer league and that's basically impossible and that's what Mitchell's general point is. At
2: the end of the day, this is football. If you want to see flag football, then let's take our pads off. That would make it easier for me because I don't got to wear heavy s***. But give us flags for me to pull off because that way I know what we're playing. You know, I signed up to play full speed contact football and we're not doing that. I feel like I got to ask a guy, hey, are you ready for me to hit you right now before I hit you? And that's crazy. I'm going to mess around and get hurt trying to protect an offensive player because he's running an over route. Damn it, your quarterback shouldn't have threw that ball messed up. That happened two years ago. That's I, I'm, I'm not joking at all. Andy Dalton threw a ball to Tyler Eifert two years ago. Tyler Eifert had to dive for it. I was aiming for his gut. But if he don't dive, he don't get in the head, that's 50 grand out of my pocket, though, because Andy throws a bad ball. Make that make sense. And at first you're taking our money, but now, you know, you, I got – like matt hasselbeck calling me a dirty player and trying my character and we've never met before i donate more money to cincinnati underprivileged kids than probably people on the Bengals. so don't give me that name my nephew goes to school there man i take all that personally if you don't know me if you never had a conversation with me don't judge us by what you see on football because football is my competitive side you know what i'm saying so it's just so much going on in the game right now yes obviously i'm a little flustered but I mean, we just got to do better. We got to do better. I said it yesterday. We got to do better as players when we sign the next CBA. We got to get better leadership as who's running the league because obviously everybody from fans, owners, players, all disappointed in Roger Goodell. We just We just got to do better. We can't have a guy where you just hand out discipline on how you see fit. There needs to be a set guideline of how we do what we do.
1: A million things to dissect there. And I want to get to the last part last, and that's about leadership and Goodell and who's in charge and the rules and the punishment and all the stuff that everybody's been mad about the entire time. but his general point, I feel like is the most important one. We all have to come to some understanding eventually that this is always going to be a violent game, and that people are going to be hurt you're not you there's no coarse cutter version of the NFL all right that's not going to happen, and the sooner we all understand that. I think the sooner we can all start getting on the same page, like I don't understand some of my media friends who are some of my best friends that almost get excited about diagnosing a concussion from at home and not liking the protocol and how, whether or not it was followed during a game. Like I'm accepting, I don't feel complicit, but I'm accepting that certain things are going to happen in this game that are not great for the participants long-term health. I'm okay with that. And that's why I, I don't feel like a barbarian by saying that I I just I kind of don't understand like what's the end goal if you hate the NFL and you keep talking about it like oh you know Mitchell like Mitchell's right that if we're crossing these lines and this is what the sport is like what version do you want to make this this isn't him saying everybody's soft this isn't him saying that he doesn't want to be safe out there what he's saying is real and that this isn't really ever going to change we can we can make adjustments we can find people we can flag people we can suspend people but it's still the the core product is still going to be football the Ruscillo Show it's ESPN Radio. Now, at the end, the part where I don't have sympathy for Mitchell or any NFL player is that you're in this really tough spot because you have your alums, essentially, your former NFL players, screwing up your current day situation because they're all suing the NFL because of safety issues from the past, and the NFL screwed up how they handled concussions, and they had to pay it out, and the former players are reaping the benefits while the current players are stuck in this impossible situation. They want to play when they're hurt. They want to put themselves in dangerous situations, because that's what they want at the moment, much like most of us always want exactly what we want at that time when we're younger, and then later on we may regret it. But when you start talking about the CBA, NFL players are screwed. They are screwed. Dominique Foxworth was a big part of the negotiation the last time this came through. And I had said on the air, like, to him, I go, man, you guys got killed the last time you went to the table. You dropped, like, nine percentage points. And he looked at me and was upset. Like, what do you mean we got killed? Like, we did the best we could. And he's right. I could still be right and be like, wait a minute, you gave up 9% of revenues to go back to work? If you look at, what, almost 1,700 players in the NFL, and you do the math on this. Now, the three-year average on career thing is a little oversold. If you look at guys that actually are your consistent players, you're playing about six years. And I've done all this stuff before. The running backs, oh, it's three years. When you include everybody that gets a jersey and then never plays again, it really drags that number down. So... If you're playing, say, five years on average and you're talking about a percentage point here or there on split revenue, what you would get back over three years of playing, say, you know, you sit out, you you end up striking after two years, it's probably not enough to offset the money that you would lose by going ahead and striking. And striking's the only way that you could actually figure out how to change the way discipline is handed out. But what you'd be asking for is lesser penalties when the previous players sued because there weren't stricter penalties. So it's like it's a circular thing that's really confusing and really hard for players to be able to pull off because the owners know you guys aren't really going to mess with us on the CBA because you're not going to want to miss the game checks because even if you make more money long-term, you're making more money for people after you than for you currently, and that's why players, in a way, I don't want to say they're lucky right now, But as much as they complain about Goodell, the CBA, the way punishment is handed out, the players can probably never sit out enough games to make their point knowing how much money they're going to lose in the current deal. So that's that's one of those deals, man, where I listen to Mike Mitchell and I go, you're right, you're right, you're right, but I don't think it's ever really going to change. All right, coming up next, Andy Staples on Tennessee finally finding their guy and a bunch of other stuff. We'll talk about Bama getting in, Ohio State, all that. Uh, and Oregon's deal as well. And Field Yates on a new front office, perhaps, for the Cleveland Browns. The Russillo Show at CSPN Radio.
3: In life, there are talkers and there are doers. Sometimes it's not hard to tell the difference. Mike Bloomberg has spent his life getting big things done, starting his business out of a one-room office. Mike built a company with 20,000 employees, all with good pay and quality health care. Elected mayor in the aftermath of 9-11, Mike got to work, helping rebuild a shaken city, creating nearly 500,000 new jobs and expanding health care for nearly 700,000 New Yorkers. An interesting creature inhabits the flat, arid plains of many an automobile dashboard. The bobblehead. It's most agreeable, and will nod along to anything, despite having no brain function. But when the bobblehead hears how Geico not only saves people money, but also gives them access to licensed agents 24-7 online and over the phone, he'll nod even more vigorously, because he knows you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Easy, bobblehead, easy. You're gonna get whiplash.
1: A reminder to everybody if you missed us in our second hour because you know how the show is kind of split up on satellite, I would urge you uh, I don't ever lie to you guys. I try not to, but uh the the second hour with Stephen Jackson's ridiculous and people are still freaking out on social media about it. So go and subscribe to the Priscilla show podcast. You can find the link on my page at Ryan A Priscilla Uh, We'll tweet that link out right after the show. But Andy Staples joins us now here from Sports Illustrated, one of the best college football writers going. Shell Penzo, performance line. Get instant gold status at Shell. Join the Fuel Rewards program now at fuelrewards.com slash gold. I think everybody likes the Pruitt hiring at Tennessee, but how how did Fulmer play into all this? Couldn't they have gotten him without him, or was this a Fulmer stability deal where Pruitt saw it as a more appealing job? What role did Fulmer play?
0: No, I mean, they could have hired Jeremy Pruitt with John Curry last last week. But, you know, this is a case where I think Phil Fulmer probably identified him. You look at you look at who he interviewed. He was interviewing guys with a lot of SEC ties, uh, very good SEC recruiters. Uh, the, the best thing about Jeremy Pruitt is he's a very proven SEC recruiter. If you look at how things have gone in the last few years, to win in that part of the country, your head coach has to be your ace recruiter. You know, Nick Saban is, is Alabama's ace recruiter. Uh, Kirby Smart is Georgia's ace recruiter. Dabo Sweeney, not in the same league, but they play each other a bunch, and, and, you know, it's all kind of the same region. He's Clemson's ace recruiter. So you put a guy in the head coaching chair of Tennessee who can definitely identify and land the kind of talent that you need to play against an Alabama and a Georgia, uh, that that gives you a shot. Now, How will he handle all the CEO stuff? We don't know because he's never done it before.
1: When people go, and I kind of did this at the top of the show where I go, you know, the timeline will just find you. So Tennessee fans feel like the world's out to get him and you go, you know what, you're going to get somebody in there at some point and everybody will get over it and move on to the next thing. It seemed to last a little bit longer because it was kind of comical about the Tennessee thing, but... Tennessee fans can take it personally, but Ike always got to tell, like, hey, we're going to move on. Like, no one's going to care after a little while. When someone says that the Tennessee thing is the worst thing they've ever seen in the SEC, how is the Shiano (laughs) debacle? How is that worse than Petrino with a neck brace after crashing a motorcycle? They haven't
3: been
0: paying attention to the SEC very much, if that's the case. now I mean, look, the Tennessee fans have been handed a lot of poop sandwiches over the last nine years and been told shut up and like this. And they got fed up and they kind of snapped. And I understand why they did, because they understood their job better than the people hiring for the job understood their job. And it's not that Greg Shiano is a bad coach. I just don't think Greg Shiano would be a good fit at Tennessee because a lot of the, the issues that he would have personality wise are the same things that Butch Jones had. And you didn't you don't want to bring in a guy whose personality is so similar to the one who just flamed out because of the, you know, absolute fishbowl environment that is Knoxville. And and, and for those, who, I, I've lived in Knoxville, I've covered that beat. It is as intense as anywhere except maybe Alabama. It's, it's outsized intensity for what it should be. But that's just how it all worked out.
1: I couldn't agree with you more on the Shiano thing. Like I wasn't anti Shiano because I didn't necessarily think he was a good coach. I just thought he was such a bad personality fit for that part of the country. And Mm -hmm. I I don't I don't understand how Tennessee didn't understand that.
0: That that was the part I didn't get. It you know you gotta understand your own job. Now Philip Fulmer clearly understands his own job because he did that job for sixteen years. So he's got a a little bit better idea of of what it's like and what personality you have to have to uh, to deal with the outside noise there, because there is so much outside noise in Tennessee, and you, either, you have to be one of two things: you have to be oblivious and able to block it out, which I think is where Pruitt kind of falls because he's you know from the from the Saban tree, uh, or you have to be such a good talker that you can kind of talk your way through it like a Brett Bielema type uh, Dan mullen was was the guy they, they wanted from the outset. He would have been fine there. He could, he's the kind of guy, he's engaging enough, he can talk his way through it, and he, he's also fairly good at blocking stuff out. Um, but they didn't get Dan Mullen. He kind of slow-played them, and Florida uh, fell to him, and he wound up getting hired there. And that's when they went into to hire Greg Sciano mode, and all hell broke loose.
1: So just rank them. What would you rather have on your campus? The Sciano and then week-long disaster of people turning you down, the Petrino, motorcycle deal, or Mike Price?
0: It's rolling, baby. Um, I think I would go with the Shiano debacle and and getting made fun of for a week and everything probably kind of works out. Because here's the thing. That was always still a pretty good job. They got tons of money. They got great facilities. They got a pretty good roster. Um, Butch Jones, say what you will about him, criticize him for, for what happened this year. He did a pretty good job restocking that roster after Derek Dooley basically burned it to the ground. So they got players. They got three guys who can can play quarterback who've been fairly effective uh, playing quarterback. Um, So the right people coming in can win some games pretty quickly. And I think it's a pretty good job. And I I think somebody was going to see past all the, the BS with the administration and say, you know what? I can make a ton of money here and win some games.
1: See, there you go, Tennessee fans, all positive after this. Andy Staples, Sports Illustrated, Oregon, what do they do now?
0: A Good question. I, I think there, there might be a certain Pirate of the Palouse who, who was up for the Tennessee job who uh, still wouldn't mind uh, upgrading talent a little bit because you can get better talent in Oregon than you can get at Washington State. Uh, and Justin Herbert sitting there at quarterback is, is very enticing, not just to Mike Leach but to a lot of coaches. Uh, This is a guy that that, that's one of those quarterbacks that you probably only get a year with him, but that could be a special year. So uh, I think, you know, if you're Jeff Tedford is a guy that nobody was talking about when he got hired at Fresno State this year. And I was like, oh, retread. You know, he did a great job at Fresno State. He's not lost his touch. I know Justin Wilcox only been at Cal for a year, but he's an Oregon guy. I think it's going to be important to them to hire someone who really wants to be at Oregon who's not going to jump for another job because the Willie Taggart thing is less than burned. Now, I know I realize I'm saying this as I'm talking about the possibility of Justin Wilcox jumping after a year, but Oregon Oregon is to him as Florida State was to Willie Taggart. So, I think that's one of those that it, they can find somebody who really wants to be at Oregon and who can put together a pretty special program there because they got a quarterback that everybody wants to go coach.
1: Hey, how did you feel about how everything shook out on Sunday? I know it's been a few days since it happened, but I haven't talked to you, and, and everybody kind of lost their minds, but I'm sure you <laughs> heard my rant about the whole thing because I just feel like, yeah, you can you can have doubts about it, but to say they're liars and there's this grand conspiracy, I mean, they left out a two-loss Ohio State for one-loss bandit. There's no
3: think- way there's a conspiracy, Ryan.
0: If if your bosses were running some sort of conspiracy, they wouldn't have picked Alabama. Go, go to... Open your Google Maps app on your phone, folks, and look how far apart Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia are. Why would, why in the world would you want to concentrate the playoff in that relatively sparsely populated part of the country?
1: I agree. Ideally, playoff... I agree, but like some of these dopes yeah. that don't understand, <laughs> and I'm actually talking about members of the media, okay, that, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I had a couple guys come at me and be like, oh, Russillo's an idiot. There's no way ESPN would rather have Ohio State. And you're like, okay, so Van Pelt says it, Herbie says it, you can call me an Absolutely. idiot, too, that's fine, but like
3: ESPN
0: would, the the dream playoff for ESPN is Alabama, Ohio State, Texas, and USC because it hits every part of the country. so yeah, this is a nightmare playoff there, There's a chance there could be a Georgia Clemson national title game those Those campuses are an hour and fifteen minutes apart. The you know only cable homes are in the state of South Carolina, and half of them hate Clemson, so of course that's not that's not a thing ESPN would want. And the Alabama thing, look, they told them to pick the best four. I was thinking about this on Sunday, on Saturday night after the games. I got to cover the Sugar Bowl. And I'm thinking about, okay, selfishly, what do I want? And I'm thinking, well, if Ohio State winds up playing Clemson and winds up being like last year, I'll have my story done by the end of the second quarter. So that'll be great. And I'm like, wait, that's why they should have Alabama. And I think that's probably what they were thinking too. And you're you not supposed to think year, about last you year. You think
1: last year influenced them?
0: I, you're not supposed to think about it last year, but the fact of the matter is, the way they vote, they picked the first three, and then they picked the next three. They knew they were picking Clemson's opponent. It has got to be hard to put out of your mind the fact that Clemson crushed Ohio State and played two classics against Alabama.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, I know what they're supposed to do, but it's kind of hard to forget what we saw. That against would be Clemson. really
0: hard to avoid thinking about and they also even had, if you're trying
1: right two losses which i tried to say on monday thanks andy appreciate it yep bye right andy staples sports illustrated field yates he's next on why the browns had to move on from their general manager and more on the mike mitchell stuff that's all coming up right here on the civil show espn radio
3: Electricity charge inside and like a chill like the lightning strategy. Take one spot and I will
2: ignite. ignite. Never stopping, I won't stand by.
0: Now that human resources director
2: Ryan Lee has chronos for HR, payroll, talent, and time, he's really on top of his game. He even has his own hype song. I'm the best beyond belief.
4: I got strength and got the speed. I got the that- entire workforce. Complete with different hours, skill sets, and pay grades. No, nobody catching up.
2: Then I'm fast or strong enough. I got that electricity charging. Inside.
4: Take one spark and- I'm attracting and engaging the best people every step of the way.
2: Never stopping. I won't stand by.
0: Kronos HR solutions for the modern workforce and the people who support them. Learn more at kronoscom Swagger. Never
2: stopping. I won't stand by.
4: Cleveland Browns fired their executive vice president, Sashi Brown. This is a big front office shakeup. The Browns will
1: begin their search for their ninth general manager since the team returned to Cleveland in 1999. It goes back to what has been uh,
4: their Achilles heel in the last decade, quarterback. This is a team that seems to
2: always struggle whether they draft one or pass on one. They can't quite get it right. Just think about this. Wentz, Golf, Deshaun Watson, they pass.
1: We're expecting Field Yates to magically appear here coming into the studio right now. You just heard Sashi Brown out as general manager of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, maybe not a surprise after the A.J. McCarron thing, or maybe they go, hey, thanks for stocking up all these picks, and that's uh, where his field sits down here. I want to start with that. Oh, actually, you know what? Hold on. Let's do the Browns thing here a little bit later. We're still a show at ESPN Radio. We have our top five, bottom three next segment, but I actually do want to do the Mike Mitchell thing because that's how we started the show in the hour. It, it, I'm usually for the safeties here, but it, it's hard to side with a player that wants to keep hitting when it seems like the players themselves – Don't want to be hit anymore. I mean, this is. Do you understand what I'm saying about this Mitchell thing?
4: Yeah, and it's interesting that he is like the chorus of one against a chorus of, I don't know, hundreds in the NFL that are saying, like, we need to take these hits out of the game. He seems to be the lone voice, or at least the strongest voice. That is championing the idea of keeping this hits in the game. Now within re-
1: not-, not so Just not, just to jump in though, is he doing it as a defensive guy and the defensive guys still want the hits? Like are that many players saying we don't want to be hit or are we always saying that as the media take these hits out? Like I'm I trying think, to figure out what I the hell the pie a, chart is yeah, here.
4: That's a, a fair question. I do believe though that there are a decent number of players that are like get this, like clean the game up. You know, especially when you see hits like we saw, we've, we've seen Monday's recently, game. right? Well, one, one thing I would say about what Mike Mitchell said is, and he went about, it, went about it in a much different way than I think the point I'm about to make is, but there is a lot that's not uncontrollable for players, but we have to remember that like our ability to decipher a player's intent or our ability to see whether a hit was was, was clean or dirty, when we're watching it from the eyes in the sky and we have the ability to slow it down 15 times, is a lot different than when a guy is running full speed and may do something that, intentional or not, looks intentional, right? I mean, like, the George loca hit in, in the end zone that was eventually reduced to just a fine as opposed to a suspension, like, if you watch it closely and you watch it slowly, you might say, like, yeah, man, what's he doing going after Antonio Brown like that? At the same time, like, when you're a safety, who's a good player, trying to slow down and dislodge the football from perhaps the best wide receiver over the past 15 years in the NFL, like, you're making snap decisions. So for Mike Mitchell, I, I think part of what his issue is, is that like this game is played at full speed it's hard to not not control yourself but control some of the things that take place around you i think ultimately we all agree that like you know those hits like the gronk stuff and like well the gronk you know, thing the isn't even Smith, like Schuster a part of thing, right the
1: gronk thing is so bad that i don't even look at that as a as a real thing sure. in football
4: yeah but, but you know some of the hits that maybe he's referring to i, I think we all agree like there's not a place in, in the nfl for yeah, them right At the same time, you know, I think that they're uh, like, I think you're bringing up a fair point. Like maybe there aren't as many players who are saying, like, get this stuff out of the game as we perceive it to be. Because there are so many who are watching the game and observing the game and talk about it for a living on radio or television that are saying, clean this stuff up.
1: Okay, news from the Cleveland Browns, Sashi Brown, executive vice president. So he was directly under Paul D. Podesta, but a very important part of this front office. He's out. Is this all because of the A.J. McCarron trade?
4: I don't know if it's all because of that, but that certainly feels like a a tentpole spot in this whole timeline, right? Because at that point, I think it underscored just how much division there was between the front office and the coaching staff. And ultimately, regardless of what team you are, where you are in your franchise trajectory, who you have in charge, if the personnel side and the coaching side aren't working in harmony it's like a 99% chance it's not going to work out in terms of sustained success going forward. So my ultimate takeaway from that A.J. McCarron non-trade was that the front office was not on board. The coaching staff clearly was on board, and it felt like Hugh Jackson, for lack of a better term, won out today, right? I mean, not only does he stay, but owner Jimmy Haslam says he's sticking around for 2018. In a time when we are talking about a team like the Giants, for example, getting ahead of their GM coaching search because they want to make sure the GM picks his head coach. Mm-hmm. Like the Browns are going the opposite way. They're saying whoever we hire as a GM, you're sticking with, with Hugh Jackson for at least 2018.
1: Does it feel like they're sticking with Hugh much like the Sixers stuck with Brett Brown where they go, we put you in this situation, so yeah, it'd be nice if you went 6-10, and 10, but... It's really more about the roster than it is you. But then there's in other people ways, that just say flat out, "Hugh can't be a head coach." I don't think that's fair. Either. In some
4: ways, I would say this though is that in the NBA, like there are a few sort of confounding factors. Between, and I know you're not making you know a simple Brett Brown and Hugh Jackson analogy comparison, but like you know for the Sixers, it has been like the process for the the, the hot button word. It's okay, like, you can say it. MB, like you know the fact that Embiid wasn't healthy for what like fully years. healthy for two yeah. years, like. That's Four, a big three, factor, really. and then Ben Simmons missing his rookie year. Like for Hugh Jackson, you know, I noted this earlier on Twitter, and it sort of blows my mind. Is they're spending 186 million dollars this year. The Browns are this is the third most expensive roster in the NFL. So I have the part that I struggle with is like you can't tell me it's simply a personnel issue, and then also tell me that like you've got enough players in your roster that you think are worth extending. Like you know, you're paying Christian Kirkshire north of 10 million dollars this year, and you signed Joel Patonio to an extension. You gave. You know, Kevin Zeitler, all the money in the world in free agency as a guard. Like Kenny Brick out over $10 bucks this year. So it's like there has to be a medium, right? You can't tell them the roster is terrible and that's the only reason why they're so bad. And so ultimately it falls entirely on the personnel. And then also note that you're spending the third nearly $200 million on this roster and you're tumbling towards 0 and 16. So I don't think that Hugh should just be absolved of all of the responsibility, the results right now.
1: Okay, but isn't the payment on this a little trickier because everything's kind of free and clear again with the way they set it up so it's shorter term deals sure. oh, so it's yeah. more out of pocket for 2017 because I still look at the roster like you're coming with some numbers here but when it's a combination of Hogan Kessler and Kaiser
4: oh no doubt it's bad I mean listen I'm not trying to say the roster is chock full of talent yeah. at the same time wouldn't you think like one win in 12 games is viable okay I, if, if like,
1: the bar is one win then you got right me I mean seriously that. though yeah. like
4: you know look at what Todd Bowles is doing and Tubbs and the Jets basically were left for dead this offseason, right? They cut all their notable veterans. They went to Josh McCown at quarterback, and they're five and seven. Like in the NFL, we call this a league of parity, where any team can beat any other team basically on a given Sunday. And the Browns have won one in twenty-eight of their last games. That's
1: not a good record. Like that's okay. just
4: like at some you, point, don't you think you there has it. to be? Like I, I just look at it as like there has to be <laughs> incremental progress
1: field yates riscilla show it's espn radio uh recently and we played this earlier jimmy garoppolo was asked about the comparisons to joe montana yeah can you remember just off the top of your head the worst question you've ever asked anybody as a member of the media
4: man, man. unless you think that's a great question then no, you can no, feel no, no. to share your, your worst greatest question, question ever
1: man i'm trying to think um did you ever have to interview Belichick after then working in his front office? Well, I used to like, that in, must have been the press weird. conference,
4: yeah, but you know the thing is like there's like, one thing I would say about Belichick is that like if you're willing to go in there and ask the questions every day, that's your best chance of getting these expansive answers right like if 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 you go if you go in there every day and you never ask a question then if you you know once in on a blue moon ask a question, you're probably going to be like you're gonna get the Belichick canned answer of like you know we're doing what's best of the you know what's what's in the interest of the football team. I'm trying. To, I I, I got to figure that like I I like completely fumbled or like, uh, like botched it with a Brady question at one point.
1: I, I'm just trying to think of it off the top of my head, but I can't. Like, hey, Bill, does Tom remind you a lot of Peak Michael Bishop? Right. Exactly. I, I think I might.
4: I think I nailed yeah, that one. Yeah. Which I can kind of see it. We'll do can't some you? Things
1: we'll do some similar things and then <laughs> things that are different. Um, all right. Well, I want you to tweet out later the worst question. I'll, if if I can, can think
4: of something, I'll, like I put I you on the spot. Ideas. That might
1: have been the worst question I asked because I didn't prep you at all. I'm no, sorry. It's all good. Field Yates. All right, thanks, Field. I, I think Field, what we should do is, yeah, ask if Field Yates. I think his handles at the thickness, and just go ahead and ask him what his worst question. So we keep on him. I thinking. I think it's. I think it's at the thickness. I don't know if it's at the underscore thickness, but one of those two. Hit us up on flowerscom Twitter feed. Ours is at Ruscillo Show. It's V Week. Please join ESPN and the V Foundation in the fight against cancer. Visit V.org forward slash donate. All donations benefit the V Foundation for Cancer Research. Up next, two things. Top five, bottom three, and you won't believe who made my top five. Or you can hear Steven Jackson talking about smoking weed with Snoop Dogg in the Staples Center. It's ESPN Radio. Today's Horoscope brought to you by Geico. Geico.
3: Capricorns, today is a perfect day for romance and fun-filled activities with your partner. And by fun-filled activities, we mean shopping for car insurance. Luckily, you'll find that switching to GEICO could save you hundreds of dollars a year. You'll keep this day of romance going at the hardware store by arguing for half an hour over the color of your backsplash. Love is indeed in the air, Capricorns. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more
1: just wanted to see how people react reacting to the Steven Jackson stuff. So we're going to re-air that previously for you. And, again, go ahead and subscribe to the Priscilla Show podcast. And you guys, people, look, everybody seemed to like it out there. Um, and as I was scrolling through, I caught an article from The Atlantic about how we should be more like one of the apes from Planet of the Apes because he's a better leader than our real-life humans. That was a movie, right? Just double-checking. Okay, Priscilla Show, ESPN Radio, ESPN News. I'm gonna run through this so we have plenty of time for the Steven Jackson previously with he snoop. Three on three tournament. The sticky icky. You guys still call it that sturdy when you guys get high? Uh no. See <laughs> what I just did there though. You just admitted to smoking weed. I know you don't. I know your dad's listening. I know you don't. It's okay. No, it's it's no, well, it isn't okay. It's still illegal in some states. But you know what? We all have our things. Top five, bottom three brought to you by Sport Clips. You watch sports. We cut hair. It's perfect sport clips. It's good to be a guy.
3: The top five. And bottom three. Go. Go
1: town. All right, let's do this. Fast. Pats, Brady. You know they're actually the two seed right now because common opponent. That's the tiebreaker. Steelers, are the one seed in the AFC. Eagles, I talked to an Eagles source last night, okay, and I asked him or her, did you peak too early? Did you not get hot at the right time? And based on my source, she or he said no. Minnesota 3, I'm doing sort of that A, B, C deal there where I go, Minnesota beat the Rams. Rams beat New Orleans. So I'm going Minnesota 3 because I feel like I haven't given them enough respect all season. Josh Duhamel is their number one fan. Nick Swartzen their number two fan based on a poll that I saw online. Pittsburgh, number four. Hey, Ry, they're the number one seed in the AFC. Who are you betting on right now? Neutral field, even though it would be weird if they played in a neutral field in the AFC playoffs. And fifth, uh, fifth, I have the Rams. Kind of want to put New Orleans in there. Didn't. I know everybody's hot on the Seahawks again, but look, that game, they were terrific that night and even without their defensive guys. They were terrific against Philadelphia. I also asked my Eagles source, do you think the blueprint is out for Carson Wentz? That I can't share with you. Bottom three, Browns, Browns, Browns. Let me know what you think, 1-800-Flowers.com, at Rosillo Show. So this is previously, Steven Jackson was incredible, and this is one of about 30 different stories that we got in one hour from the dude. Previously, on the Ryan Rossillo Show.
2: I know I was happy to see Snoop Dogg at our game, and then, well, when I was in Golden State, uh, the Lakers wasn't that good, and we were we really were the best team in Cali at, at that time. And uh, when we played Dallas in the first round, and we had Snoop coming to our games, I was excited to see Snoop by, uh, at our games because you know he was all he was a big time uh, basketball Laker fan, and to see him at our games with Golden State jerseys on, one, I was happy to see him there supporting us. You know, the rapper I looked up to. And then second, I knew what I was going to do after the game. I knew who I was hanging with, so it worked out. <laughs> you still keep in touch with Snoop? Yeah, actually, actually, he came he uh came to the Big Three uh game, and we got a chance to hang out. And he's also involved in the Champions League that I'm a vice president of.
1: Timeout. You you uh you won the scoring title in the Big Three. Yeah. So were you doing like you were dropping thirty in the Big Three and then going doing a hit on the jump? Yeah. Well, I yeah yeah and pretty actually, much yeah and actually after right after my
2: game at the Big Three we played at Staples we smoked out Staples Center. In the back locker room, in the locker room. I think it's never been done before.
1: How do you follow up to that though? Do we ask other Lakers, former Lakers can we get Mark Madsen on the line? Uh hey. Steven Jackson says they're the only ones that have ever done it. Did you and
0: Smush Parker ever smoke it out? After a game. He said after a game there.
1: I don't I don't know what to do with that hour, man. Cause it was unfreaking believable. So Rudy.
0: You missed it, check out the pod. It's life changing stuff.
1: I don't even want to do the third hour. That's tough. You can't you can't go home early when you're on the air. Like, hey, I can't top what we just did in the second hour, so I can sit here and come up with some analogy. But I I, I don't know. We did all right. Staples was good. Field was good. My first segment was all right. But that Steven Jackson thing, I almost wanted to leave and just let him take calls. We'll do that again. He was incredible. Thanks, everybody. Back again solo tomorrow. Did the Eagles peak too early?